This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you once again. Joined by site publisher Tim Watts on the heels of Alabama's 42-13 win over the Auburn Tigers in the 2020 Iron Bowl. Uh, Tim, we bring you in here. I hope it was a great Thanksgiving for you. I know this is a, a time of year you really look forward to. I know you've got, what, 12, 13 Christmas trees there around Casa de Watts that have to go up pretty quickly. So uh, how about it, Tim, the, the holiday weekend, Thanksgiving, and then let's get right into Alabama-Auburn. Let's be clear. My wife is insane. I'm not. I've touched those <laughs> the same number of times as any of you, and anybody listening to this show has touched them. Never. I yeah. do not touch those trees. I do not decorate them. I do buy them. I do let them pick them out. They have a great time. They all went up Thursday, uh, um, Friday after the Thanksgiving. Um, that's their tradition. They got them up. Five of the six are up. The oldest son's now going on 20, and I think he's uh, debating whether he wants to cloud his room with one. But, yeah, it went great. Thanksgiving was good. Just the six of us. Very First time, you know, you don't realize, I don't know about you, but it's never just our family on yeah. Christmas. For Thanksgiving or something. There's always other people. This is the first time it was just us six, and it was good. It was simple. We let the kids choose their favorite uh, foods and stuff on Thanksgiving, and we we just cooked a smorgasbord. I think we capped it off with the apple pie a la mode. Oh, about eight holidays this year, but it was great. How about yours? Can't go wrong with the uh, apple pie capper. We had an apple caramel cheesecake that the wife did up that was really good it was good man sounds very similar to what you guys experienced we had the kids home so that was nice all three of them they didn't kill each other that's always good when we get them together um we took a few pictures you know a couple family photos and it was a great meal we didn't go crazy with the food we did the traditional turkey we had the five or six carbs and some bread uh, and, and that was about it. It was, it was, it was very sim- simple this year. I think a lot of folks sort of, uh, went that route and it's good to know, you know, there's the 12 days of Christmas and then there's the 12 Christmas trees of the Watts family. And so good to know those are up. Our tree went up on Sunday, by the way, and the wife, she takes care of that deal. Like you were saying, she takes care of that deal from start to finish pretty much. So it went up yesterday. We have our Christmas tree up before December the 1st. Uh, we are in accordance with, I think, state and local laws when it comes to the Christmas tree, Tim. Now, what do you put on top? Do you guys go with a star? Do you have an angel? What goes on top? A cross? They have a little mixture on everything, and I think one they change it up every year. They buy something new. One year we had one of those little creepy elves. Never understood that little <laughs> turd-ass elf. I got to run around the house every night at one and do something really weird and sadistic with that. Oh elf. God. Remember the elf thing? Oh my, my wife was bringing yeah. it out. My wife was bringing it out in June at one point. I was like, <laughs> I can't do this. That thing's got to come out December 19th and go home December 22nd from now on. That elf yeah. is creepy. My daughter still loves it. I said, that is the weirdest looking. That is not. I'd Will- forgotten about the elf. I had tried to anyway, until you brought it up, you know? Oh, that elf. You know, he could start. That elf could start fights between uh, husband and wives, you know? He'd become such a, a, a big part of the run up to Christmas and uh, trying to, to get that planned out on a, on a nightly basis. Um, Iron Bowl, Tim, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts. I know we both uh, put 
hours out there on the roundtable and at BamaOnline.com in the hours and days after Alabama's 29-point win over the rival Tigers. Did that one go about the way you expected it would go, or were you a, were you a little surprised that you know at one point it was 42-6 to before was, Auburn put together a touchdown drive? I was surprised Auburn didn't move the ball a little bit more. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. when Alabama took that running game away – early on and you know tank tank bigsby's a little banged up and and a lot of their yards were coming from bo nicks on scrambles uh uh, i knew it was bad bad news for them alabama did a really good job they had one blown coverage on the deep pass to uh seth williams that 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 would have been uh possibly a touchdown but other than that i mean they wrapped up everything short uh all the defensive guys were really good i mean when you look at battle and some of those guys and uh um, Joe had a big game, you know, More, yeah. I'm talking about just a tackling physical standpoint. You saw Will Anderson with his first sack, um, Barmore's probably haunting him on their touchdown drive. Barmore had him dead to rights in the end zone. And, you know, 10 years ago, he, he, he knocks Bo, you know, Bo Nix out right there. He hits him really hard. And, but now when you think the ball's gone, you got to sort of pull up. And I think Barmore, Thought he saw a pass and pulled it down, and Nick's made you know probably the best play of the of the game for him. That was a really tough hard nosed scramble, and hats off to that guy. He took a lot of hits. It wasn't a great game for him, but that Alabama defense was lights out, and um, it, it went. I actually thought Alabama would come out a little bit opposite on offense with run the ball, which they tried to do. And I looked up, and Auburn had eight or nine guys in the box, basically. Yeah, they were just, stacking it. They were. They said Najee's not going to beat us. And so Devontae beat him. So, you know, so the game manager, the game manager beat him. They wanted to see if the game manager, the game manager, you know what? The thing about the game manager thing is he threw four touchdown passes against Auburn last year, you know? So did you need to see, I guess five, I guess it was five that Auburn needed to see this year. You know, last year was a, you know, a really good game from a uh, competitive standpoint, tough spot for Mac Jones to be thrown Still, you know, they still got one of the best home field advantages in all of football. Their fans are great. That was a loud game. You know, those bad breaks went against him. I never understood why people were so upset. I see that stuff happen um, in the NFL. You see it happen in college every week. You know, the pick sixes. I saw, you know, a couple of them yesterday in the NFL alone. So, um, Mac Jones, you know, had to feel good for him. I don't think Bo Nix was necessarily – Throwing shade at him, maybe he was. I don't know. Stupid shade if he was. Um, he really yeah, because what are what are you saying about your guys? If you're yeah. talking about how this guy yeah. has all these great they, weapons, what are you saying about Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz yeah. and Tank Bigsby? That's for literally out loud. saying, Travis. Of course, your Facebook photos look better than mine. You married <laughs> a beautiful woman. <laughs> exactly. You can't exactly. That, you can't throw that ish out there without backhanding your own your own <laughs> or your wife. You know what I mean? So. That's um, what it came across to me like. That, like this guy doesn't have a lot of walk around sense to say something like that. Well, just just the game manager, I didn't I didn't think much of, but the whole it's a lot easier when you got a lot of talent around you right. part, um was definitely a dig. Now, he doesn't have a good offensive lineman, but he's got some other good players around him and I'm not sure what his goal was there, but it was a mission was not complete. Ill intended. You know, you you mentioned the drop by Seth Williams, and it was a big play. But it becomes even bigger, right, because of the pressure that Alabama puts on you to be perfect. The only reason why it, it stands out uh, is because Auburn had to be basically perfect. And so when you have a drop like Williams had, and it was a 21-3 to game, so that maybe makes it 21-10 there. Okay, yeah, that changes the game, no doubt. Uh, but it also tells you it, it was going to still take a lot more than that one play. Yeah, you got you know you see that a lot. That's a really nice offensive drawn up play. You've seen Alabama use it where uh, Devonta got loose on the sixty six yarder. I saw mm-hmm. it several times. I saw it in the Tennessee game the week before. You get that safety. They're they're doing something to set that play up because that safety's jumping that shorter route and that wide receiver's running right by those guys for so those. It's got to be because it's happening very often. So however they're setting it up, I think it's probably pretty close to the same play, and they're all using it. I just put a clip here in the last few minutes up. I do the clips on Monday of the previous games, you know, for Alabama, and I've got the 
the AU the Auburn clips thread going on the roundtable as we speak as we do this podcast and I and I use that play to Devonte and you're right Auburn hit Alabama with it too and man you put that middle of the field safety in such conflict Tim because first of all he sees the run action off the RPO to Najee Harris and they are obviously souped up to take care of Najee in the run game first. So that holds him right there when he sees the run fake, the play fake to Najee. Then if you've watched Alabama football the last couple of years, you know, if it's not the run part of the RPO, the slant coming from the field, how many times have you seen Alabama hit that slant off of that same thing? So you're the safety and now you're thinking, uh Oh, here comes the slant. And you take one step up because you're anticipating that. And then Devontae gives you that little slant double move to the go route. And it's over, man. I, it, you know, look, when you're a safe tough. with Devonta Smith or Seth Williams at full stride, stride, you're not on even ground to begin with. So no. if you take one step forward while they take two steps at you, you know, it's over. It's yeah. it's game over and also the thing about it is you jump those uh and we've seen it a couple times this year we've seen battle do it we've seen um they like to jump those routes where they jump those short routes dude that is a pick six if you get in front of that ball but oftentimes you got everybody coming forward you get that you go the other way so there's a lot of things happening um you're gonna see a lot of safeties burned by that and i'm almost positive it's very similar play by all these teams because it's a very similar it is it absolutely is, and it was, you know, time play, and uh, you could tell uh, two didn't look very happy running after Seth at the moment. So, no, you, you sort of knew Daniel might have blown that one, but you know, there's nothing to complain about in that game. To me, I thought everybody did really well. You know, my, you know, was it a Pete? Was it a Pete Golding redemption game? I don't. You know, I haven't. Some ways. I haven't got. You know, I'm just I'm like you. I'm just sort of neutral in this. I just sort of watch. You know, here's what I see. I see with certain part of the fan base. I see if Alabama beats the dog pee out of Mississippi State. Well, it's just Mississippi State. And then the next week, you know, Kirby Smart's holding on to beat that same Mississippi State team at home. And then it's, oh, they just beat Kentucky. And then you look up and Kentucky's almost beating Florida the next week at halftime in Florida. So there's some pretty good teams haven't understood almost 13 quarters without giving up a touchdown. I don't know what else you can say other than the defense. And we said this early in the year, the defense, when you're talking about freshmen, and there's a lot of them on the field, first-time contributors. Mm -hmm. A lot of them on the field, first-time contributors. There's also Dylan Moses, who missed a whole year, uh, you know, getting back in the thing. But you can see that experience beginning to pay off with, Look at Tim Smith. I mean, you know, the dancing bear. You know you know how much I loved him last year. He's Your guy. A, that guy, yeah. you know, he came in and, he, you know, all these guys missed spring. If they were there early, they still missed the spring. I can't even tell you how many snaps they missed, you know, because of this. Plus, some of them sitting out with contract tra- tracing and all that stuff. So they're finally in game shape. And you can see even Jamel Burroughs is sneaking around in there. You can see Will Anderson who he came out day one. You know, he came out day one. He was born ready. So was Malachi Moore. You see Brian Branch getting that experience, making big plays, getting more confident. So you're seeing a lot of the youth that Alabama needed to infuse was on the defensive side because on the offensive side, they had pretty much everything buttoned up. You know, the biggest question there was probably who was going to be the, you know, the running back behind Najee. So defense has seen these young guys step up and they did a good job. And I feel like Alabama calls a good game. I mean, you know, several times yesterday, you know, Saturday, you saw Alabama players in the right position. Uh, a few times they didn't make a play. They had a stunt where Will Anderson ran right by Pat Nix and, you know, Barmore in the end zone. You had them. They seem to be doing a much better job. So hats off to, you know, Pete Golden, the whole defensive staff, the players for stepping up. And that game meant something. You could tell, and this one coming up is going to mean something, you know, especially especially to some of those guys that came back just to play these, you know, there's a certain amount of players on that team that came back just to, to get another shot at Auburn and just to get another shot at LSU. Freddie Roach, you think the impact there with those defensive linemen is starting to show up? It looks like it to me. I mean, they, they played – uh, you said Tim Smith was was great in support of kind of DJ Dale, but 
Justin, uh, yeah, showing up, Justin you, showing up for the first time. You know, really, we're seeing more. But Arian Mathis is a guy that doesn't get That's enough love, in my team. opinion. I, yeah. I was, I'm dead guilty of it. I should have mentioned him in my thoughts Saturday. He had a really good game. But, yeah, I think Freddie Roach, you know, talking to people, he's got that laid-back sort of big brother, uncle, young uncle-type feel to him, I think, and the kids relate to him. And I think whatever message they're getting to him, they're learning, they're, you know, they're preaching and um, they're listening. So, I mean, we're seeing that defensive line and that changes everything when you get some of these guys to step up. Because if you look at game one, we weren't mentioning um, Justin E. We weren't mentioning Timmy Smith, Jamil Burroughs. You know, we weren't mentioning any of these guys. We weren't expecting um, Malachi Moore to be so elite. You know, we had heard we had preseason nuggets all year about him and Branch. But I don't know if anybody expected this, you know. So obviously, you you look at where they were in game one before game one, and where they are after game eight. Well, I can't believe eight games. Yeah, yeah, they managed to get them in, and already played the most games Ohio State could play all year. Yeah, they got. It's going to be. Uh, I guess they could play a few more. That's going to be an interesting discussion with Ohio State, I think, in the Big Ten coming up here. And it's one I think we're going to get into when we delve into our mailbag from the roundtable coming up later in the program. But, uh, yeah, a total all-around performance, a team performance from this Alabama football team uh, in winning its fifth straight Iron Bowl in Tuscaloosa. Now you look ahead to LSU, Tim. and Go ahead. We haven't really touched on Sark. Yeah, I mean, nice. He pulled around the stadium, handled it well. I thought he mixed in the play call uh, pretty nicely. I was expecting bomb, 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 inside trap, bomb, bomb, bomb is what I was kind of expecting. But I thought the play call was really like control the game, control the clock, take some of the air out of it at times. He did a great job. He did, you know, and I wrote about this in my five predictions on Friday before the game. You know, I made the comparison to Joel in Risky Business, you know, when the parents go out of town and sort of this expectation that he's going to have to take the Porsche out, you know, while while the folks are out of town. Sark 10 years ago, I think, would have been Joel, okay? Absolutely. And ended up running a a bordello out of the house there in the – in the lush burbs of Chicago, but that isn't this start. This is that isn't this this isn't that Sark, is it, Tim? No, different Sark. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, ten years is a long time, and you got to be over thirty to realize that. But the <laughs> man, you know, a lot of time, I can only speak for myself. But the man I was at twenty, which wasn't a man, which was a boy, I was a I was a much more mature person at thirty, and I thought I was too mature at thirty, and then I looked. You know, when I was 40, I looked back at 30, like how crazy and wild I was. So I think Sarks went through that. I mean, you got he's put on a big stage uh, when you look at it um, at an early time. I mean, USC, let's never forget that USC, Pete Carroll, Hollywood, Snoop Doggy Dog, Will Ferrell, uh, Matt Liner, Reggie Bush. That was a great era. So he grew up in that. It was a little bit wilder, a little bit different times, and he was pretty young. Imagine and, imagine if TMZ would have been around for those teams. TMZ uh, back then. Oh, my goodness. Started. With they would have been Team TMZ. Yeah. Uh, that's how, yeah, I think that's how that actually <laughs> So uh, you got – now let me ask you real quick before we move on to LSU. In this movie, if he's Joel – does that make sense? <laughs> like, the killer pimp, or what are we? Where's like? Yeah, he's got to be one of the guys leaning on that Porsche. Lane is, uh, yeah, Lane is the the one friend, the good looking kid that seemingly is always. He's kind of a supporting guy. I forget the guy, the kid's name, but there's the good looking blue eyed kid. Um, that does well with the ladies, does well with the ladies, you know, you know, I'm talking about Joel comes home and the girls are already in the house and he's coming out of the house, you know, when Joel's coming into the house, you know what I'm saying? That's him. All right, let's go on to LSU. (laughs) Hey, let me ask you this though about Sark. What's, what's the, what's the trajectory for Sark right now on a personal level as a, as a coach, because we're seeing jobs come open. We're hearing more and more rumblings about, perhaps prime 
power five jobs coming open in the near future. I've made the point that if I'm an NFL team, I might have to give Sark a look. If I'm Detroit and I've got Matthew Stafford and I'm thinking I'm going to try to maximize this window with Matthew Stafford, I'm probably going to have to look at Sark. I mean, I used the Cliff Kingsbury analogy uh, going to Arizona after being fired by Texas Tech. I don't know. What do you think about Sark here? I know we still need to finish the season and all those things. What What do you envision for him coming out of all this? You know, if I'm him, with everything I've been through, he's in a pretty good spot. He's making pretty good money. I think he takes almost the Kirby Smart approach and the, the, you know, the Jeremy Pruitt approach. I don't think you just take any job. You know, he's got a lot working for him. He's already been at big name schools. I don't think that, you know, like last year, I didn't think Mississippi State, because let's not forget, this is a guy whose main connections are on the left coast. He's a California guy. He mainly recruits quarterbacks from for Alabama and does a good job with that. That's sort of normal for Alabama offensive coordinator. So he needs to be in a place he's familiar. He To me, he's crazy as hell if he takes that Detroit Lions. I'd make Matt Mullen or Matt Millen, McMillan, who drafted all those bad guys in the night. <laughs> there's a, but is a, I mean, is a is an offensive coordinator at the college level really going to say no to a head coaching job in the National Football League too? I, I, I would here, not. Here, here's one. I here's one I, I don't would, see. I I would not leave Bol to coach the Lions. I can't <laughs> tell you. I, I would not. Damn. Leave coach the Lions with my boy Bo Davis up there. <laughs> I would not. Yeah, you get to keep Bo Davis. You still wouldn't take you're it. You're talking some of these other jobs that might open up, like uh, who got fired yesterday? Um, was it the Jaguars? Well, I mean, well, the Jaguars GM got fired. Now, yeah, if the Jags come to you with all those draft picks, you like know, the, that, that. If Jets come to you, you're Steve Sarkeesian. Adam Gase isn't going to get it done. And they come to you. I would take you're going to pick Trevor Lawrence. You've got number one pick Trevor Lawrence. It's not a good roster. You build that around there, but I wouldn't be rushing out to grab a, a job you're not comfortable with, you know, in Oregon state, uh, Mississippi state, Arizona actions. What about Arizona? He probably could do It's a tough job, but the PAC 12 is open. That would probably be a good fit for him. Um, yeah, sure. I I don't think you take that. I think one, I, I, that's one I don't think you take. If you're Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, I just think he can be selective. You know, Kirby Smart was always very selective. I mean, the two jobs we really heard Kirby mentioned with was Auburn and Alabama. That was it. We never heard Southern Miss and all those schools that could have, you know, probably. Yeah, he was in with South Carolina. He kind of leveraged South Carolina to get the Georgia job. Yeah, That sort of sped things up. For Kirby, and I think Arkansas sniffed around Kirby some too. But yeah, you're right; he wasn't gonna just yeah. he wasn't gonna bolt for just anything. I, and I agree; I don't think Sark's gonna do that either. Yeah. I, I think think. he's a good job. I think he's did his time, you know, with his, you know, with the, you know, working under Saban. And um, I think he did a great job yesterday. So uh, Saturday. So hats off to him. How All about right. LSU coming up next? What's the? Uh, they come in any time. Any place, anywhere, as long as SEC <laughs> makes them, they're playing. Anytime yeah, and, and now and now Alabama has to give up a bye week that it should have between December 5th and the SEC championship game because we got to make this game work when LSU wants to play it, Tim. I don't. I'll, I'll disagree. I don't think they want to play it this weekend either. Shoot. Well, no, but the SEC is making them play. And so well, in that, turn, in turn, they're making Alabama play a game when Alabama hasn't had COVID issues and hasn't bailed on any games and should be wrapping up its regular season on Saturday. Instead, now Alabama plays the 5th and the 12th before going to Atlanta on the 19th I think to make it work for, for the LSU game. I don't think this is a chore. I haven't heard anybody disappointed with having to play this game, to be honest with you. Um, no. Uh, I think Alabama- I know the fans aren't. You want to beat the hell out of LSU after last year. I totally get that. The players probably do, too. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So from that standpoint, mentally, I don't think it's going to be a problem. I do think that 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 um, the extra bye week could have helped them. <coughs> That, that extra week before the SEC championship game, but Florida's not going to be off. They're in the same boat. Um, 
I'm glad this game's happening. I think that, you know, I think a lot of people wanted to see it. I know Alabama wanted a chance in that game. Did you watch the Aggies LSU game? Uh, it was so bad. It was so bad. We'll get into this in a second. The Here. night games were so bad Saturday night. Here. I actually bought the Tyson fight. That's how oh. bad the night games were. I'm sitting there trying to watch this and I'm like, this is awful. I'm going to buy Tyson Roy Jones Jr. I watched every snap of two of the worst football games ever to be played. Uh, God bless you. you Aggies game. And then I watched. Kellen Mond was like 11 of 34, wasn't he? Saturday night, something like that. Five yards passing. They both had 267. Now, a lot of that was simply due to the rain, but there just wasn't many explosive plays. Terrence Marshall had a big play, a nice pass, a long play where he showed explosion and it was so exciting to see that play. I think I jumped up and ran around the room uh, just to see that. And, of course, he opted out the next day, so he's done for LSU, which is a huge loss. But the weather was bad. Um, it just it was just yeah. an awful game. Then I watched, it was, well, I watched the Saints game, which was even more brutal. So I had uh, – Yeah, there was, some, there was some intrigue about Denver going with a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback. That they, intrigue they lasted all of a series, I think. They tried to play a coach, apparently, a uh, quality assistant, quality control Quality coach. control, yeah, because he knows the terminology in the plays. I Elway was coming out of that tunnel. I thought <laughs> Elway might be coming out of that tunnel because he could not have done worse than the guys they ran out there. So, But, yeah, LSU, no, but, you know, LSU's going to – you know, Alabama got through that Auburn game healthy and, and uh, cruised through it. They've got a week, you know, heading out to Baton Rouge. Hopefully the weather's good. Seven o'clock game. I think there'll be some It'll be chilly. Yeah, yeah, I think there'll be some interest uh, in this game, and Alabama will find some motivation. But yeah, they lose that extra week. You're right; the season would could be over. But I'm not gonna. I want every football game we've got. I mean, I'm glad I'm not. Oh, you know, as a fan and as what we do, I want I want 20 more football games. Absolutely. I'm just saying, in a perfect world scenario, Alabama would play LSU on Saturday. That's great. Play LSU. Play the LSU-Alabama game. But then it would also have the 12th off before the SEC championship game. And by the way, your little brother, Jam Bama, on the roundtable, he's been getting after me for having this point of view of wanting what's wanting what's best for us and wanting what's best maybe for the Alabama football team. But here's here's what I think is good about Alabama playing – on December the 12th, when it really should be off. But the good thing to come from playing on December the 12th, Tim, is that players won't be going home. They'll stay in that regimen. They'll stay in that bubble. And that's the that's the biggest positive I see from playing December the 12th, playing that weekend when you would otherwise be off. How's that? How's that approach, Tim? That's a good. That's a good. Uh, no, that's a good, a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you see everything. Bad things happen when you go home right now. And um, and Alabama has been fortunate for the most part. I mean, Trey Sanders was injured on the off week and a few other little incidents, but they've been very fortunate. Yeah. Keep uh, them together. Yeah, I just, I, you know, to me, the motivation for last year, you know, I was looking back and I was going over this with our LSU publisher, Shay Dixon, but all the guys, and this is the problem when you really don't have a, you know, a stranglehold on your program. All of those guys that did all the dumb stuff last year for LSU, they're not First game. this. The guys yeah. that over to the student section and told the recruits to come to LSU, <laughs> hell, they're not at LSU. <laughs> you're not even at LSU. You know. Yeah, we need to find out where they're at now so they can maybe tell the recruits this year where, where to yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. The kid who taped Coach Orgeron. Transfer Portal State. Play, you know, that kid's not there. So he's done out at O's. Let me be clear. I have no problem what's said in the locker room, what O said in the locker room. That's exactly, you say that to your team. He's a fiery guy. And don't forget that Alabama game ended from coach, you know, LSU staff feeling really good. All of a sudden you got an 80-yard bullet to Devonta. <laughs> you're, you're trying to get an onside kick. There's a lot of emotions there in two minutes. So uh, obviously an emotional win. What he said in the locker room is never a problem. But plus somebody putting it out. You know, it's kind of a lack of respect, you know, and that kid's gone too. Sure. So all the guys that that ran it up, all the guys that did that, they're not here. You know, they're not here to, to, to deal with this game this week. If I'm LSU, yeah. I'd be fine. I'm kicking their ass is what I'd be doing. 
If I was on this team and I got my butt whooped, I'd be going and finding them. Oh man! So uh, you know, you, you with what you do in recruiting and 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 again, as as you said, the the contact and the conversations we have with folks that cover uh, the different teams like LSU across the network. Um, no Terrace Marshall Jr. for Saturday night for the Tigers in prime time on CBS, but. Oh, again, from a recruiting perspective, it's it's got to be hard for you, especially, and a guy like Hank South as well. Watch a game like this and and not connect the recruiting process with so many of these guys, and you know, some of these guys that are true freshmen, right? That both these teams were involved with just in the in the 2020 cycle. Keishawn Butte with Marshall out, I got to think he's going to be a big part of that LSU offense on Saturday. Yeah, well, they're playing. You know, they're playing two true freshman uh, quarterbacks. One either Max Johnson or T.J. Finley. So, you know, T.J.'s a big guy with a big arm, and Max a little bit more athletic. He's a son with uh, son of Brad Johnson, who played in the NFL. He's a lefty, athletic. Both kids um, put out there in a rough situation. I mean, it's they. You know, they come in. A lot of the talent from last year's gone. They're, uh, you know, they're they're playing with you know forty, fifty, sixty guys or whatever they're. They've got left on their team, so two kids put in a bad spot. Um, but they've got some talent. I mean, Alabama's going to have to press. They're going to have to get out there and, you know, play. I think a lot of us are looking forward to the – it's almost worth this game just to see Devonta Smith and Stingley locked up. Again, you know, yeah. Devonta Stingley's a great player. Let me be clear. I think Derek Stingley's a fantastic defensive back. You know, same I would think about Pat – and I think Devonta got the best of them last year, but Devonta gets the best of everybody. So, and when you're, I don't care what anybody says, you have to be the bravest man in the world to be Pat Sertain or Derek Stingley. You have to be the bravest man in the world to go out there and be Marlon Humphrey or uh, Tredavious White. Dig. Yes, any yeah. of those. You've got to be the bravest because you're on an island guessing where this guy's going, who's physically every bit as good as you, often better than you. And you're trying to guess where he's going. I mean, it's not an easy job. So I don't blame any defensive back uh, for, for getting beat for a guy like Devonta Smith any more than I would have if uh, Jamar Chase got the best of uh, Pat Sertan uh, on a few plays. Yeah, it, it, you can't have self-esteem issues and uh, play cornerback at the Power Five or any of the levels, really. Uh, football. Hey, um, let's, uh, let's take a break here on the Bama online podcast. And when we come back Tim, I want to talk to you a little bit about Alabama hoops because you got a big stretch coming up for Nate Oates, second team after a season opening win last Wednesday night over Jacksonville state, things get real with Stanford on tap for Monday night, potentially, uh, North Carolina soon thereafter in the Maui Invitational, which of course has been relocated to Asheville, North Carolina this year, and our mailbag that we always like to jump into. There'll be some recruiting talk involved in that as well. Do all that more when the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back with more of the Bama Online podcast. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, joined by site publisher. Tim Watts, if you haven't already, how about a subscription to the Bama Online Podcast? Uh, you can pick it up anywhere you do uh, your podcasting, whether that's Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Megaphone. We're there for you. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and a review if you don't mind. That would help us out as well. Well, Tim, uh, we'll take a brief interlude from the football talk, uh, and let's get into some Alabama men's basketball because – as we talked about just before the break, big stretch. I mean, what are you most interested in seeing from this Alabama team as it takes a big step up in competition in Asheville here over the next couple of days? I'm just curious to see how that ro- that rotation coming off the bench sort of sort of uh, 
uh, plans out, what happens. You know, we saw Josh Primo. I saw. I thought he'd be playing a little bit earlier um, in the game, uh, probably bringing, you know, breaking in the young guy. But he didn't do a whole lot in that game. But, man, when he flashed, that drive up the middle, he had a couple of plays that were just fantastic and show what kind of talent he got. I thought overall – I think Jacksonville State's a scary opponent. I've seen Jacksonville State beat Alabama in the past in that same situation. So I, I did not, you know, if I'm grading Alabama, what I expect to be the season, I would say that was a C-plus type game, and they still won by 24, 25 points. So I think we've got a, um, a chance to see them in an opener, and then now, you know, it's obviously going to get a lot more real. In college basketball, I'm going to warn everybody, you and I know it. It is a fickle beast. It, it is a uh, it is a it's a loveless relationship. A lot of times, I saw number three Villanova, number four Virginia, Kentucky with their six top. Kentucky 50. got beat at home, yeah, yeah, on Sunday, didn't they? Yeah, they're dangerous. You know, if you if you're primarily a football guy, and you hear names like Rhode Island, your team's playing Richmond. Rhode Island, that's yeah. nothing. Lamar Odom's not there. You know that. You know we're going to beat this. <laughs> We're going to beat this team, and then they'll come out and they'll have, uh, you know, a pretty good team. They'll have the thirty-one-year-old seniors. They'll, yeah. they'll have a thirty-one-year-old guy who did six years in the forces. They'll have eleven yeah. players and two euros, and they will be a good team by up-and-coming mid-major coach. So, uh, good win by you know for me is a good win to see uh, you know see Alabama play well. Get the first look at Quinterly, who's every bit you know as good as we'd hoped he would be. Petty didn't have a particularly great game, but he's going to get better. So Bruner, I think, is going to be better too. His shot just didn't fall, but it's it's exciting. I liked what we saw out there. I like James Rojas, man. I love when there's a dude that the JUCO uh, pedigree shows up readily in. I'm all you know. I'm all about the JUCO. So uh, I like Keon Ellis too. I mean, look, you know, we you said it. I mean. In what other year would a guy like Josh Primo not be in a starting five at Alabama? I mean, that's the type of roster we're talking about right now, especially with the decisions of Herb Jones, Job Petty to come back, Quinterly's eligible, and uh, that that I think you said it from the outset though. Now that you get into Stanford, potentially North Carolina, uh, moving through this bracket, you hope in Asheville. What does this rotation really look like? Because against Jacksonville State, you could kind of, you had the luxury of okay, I want to play this, I want to play this combination together, you know, for three or four minutes, or maybe get this group together and see what they do. I, I would think, Tim, even though it's just the second game of the season, won't that rotation be more defined on Monday night? Uh, I would think so. Like you said, with Jacksonville State, you can sort of just sling them out there, sort of see what you've got, and rotate them in. I mean, you never know. There could be a guy, you know, not playing or starting or whatever because he missed a practice. You set the tone for the whole season. So that I, there's not a lot to go by off that early. But, yeah, I think you're going to have to narrow it down, you know, and go with your best. Uh, I think eight's a pretty good number. Eight's the magic number as long as you're competing and winning is successful. But the thing I like about this roster is you've got combinations to help. You know, I think Alex Reese is going to have to do a better job. Uh, be a little bit more consistent. He's got to be more aggressive. I don't understand. As a senior, he's in the program. He didn't look. He looked a little passive at times. And you know, and Herb's going to have to be a more consistent shooter. And um, you know, we want a little more. Uh, you know, a little bit more closer to the paint. A little bit more relaxed. I mean, he he has some of those unbelievable almost plays. You know, it was almost like William Anderson's almost sacks. Herb has some almost ESPN highlights where everything goes right, but it doesn't go in the basket. So I think if he simplifies it, I think it will be uh, to, to his benefit. Yeah, I agree with you. There, there's some guys that have been in this program for a while now, and they're kind of either-or guys, right? They either score or they do the perceived little things exceptionally well. Um, you know, I, I would think if I were going to be on either side of that as much as – Nate Oates wants to push the basketball and, and be north of 80 points per game and those type of things. Uh, I would think you, you, you'd better be really good defensively and be a guy that can extend possessions uh, with 50-50 balls, offensive boards, uh, the hard hat plays, as Nate Oates likes to refer to it. You know, Nate gives out a hard hat 
for hard hat plays. Uh, he doesn't give out an award for you know three point attempts if you go two for eleven and you don't come up with any of the uh, loose ball stuff, defensive boards, offensive boards, things like that. Hey, um, Tim, let's get into the Bama Online Roundtable uh, mailbox here. Let's do that. Plankton 251 on the thread there in the mailbag asks, is there an injury report out? I know Najee Harris got banged up a little bit, even though it was hard to tell. How much do we think the starters will play against LSU? Think about that question for a minute, Tim. Yeah, We're talking true. about the defending 15-0 and 0 national champions, a team for all time, and I'm not banging on Plankton here because I think it's something a lot of us are wondering going into a game like this with LSU. If you're Nick Saban, assuming Nick make, you know, we got to assume Nick on the injury report still with the COVID. Um, what what do you think about that? I mean, it, it, it's almost an NFL preseason like question going into this game. I think the starters will play. I think you saw most of them in most of the game. You know, you know, the one thing I'll touch on that's been the most frustrating in this season for a lot of people, and it frustrates me too, is like when Bryce Young is about to come in the game, you can almost guarantee the other team's going on some 11 or 13 play drive from the four of the 11 and taking half the fourth quarter. Auburn did it. Yeah. Had the ball at the four-yard line and did it. You know, Leatherwood, <laughs> we even had a conspiracy on the round table that, that – The tackles. That, Yes, Leatherwood gave up, has given up a sack twice when Bryce Young was in the game. Now, part of that to me wonders if that's just not, you know, Mac, you know, Mac's a maestro in the pocket. Mm-hmm. You know, he's great at taking two steps, finding space, feeling the pressure. That could just be Bryce not able to do it. You know, a couple of times that guy beat Alex inside. He could have rolled out and probably created a little space. And, you know, just it's happening really fast for Bryce Young. So, but, um, uh, I think you'll see the starters in for a while. Um, I think the game yeah. plan could change. Alabama gets up big. I think they ground it out. I mean, the thing with the Auburn, I've said this for years, there's there's a lot of respect between Gus Malzahn and Nick Saban's programs. Um, you know, you get caught up with how a coach acts when they win a big game, and some Alabama fans are, you know, can get, you know, last year with Gus and the boom, but he's just celebrating good plays. That's, you know, there's a difference between taunt and celebrating. Uh, this year, if you noticed, uh, Gus got his touchdown, and I know he wanted it. He's an offensive guy. There's, that's a no-brainer. And then uh, <clears throat> Alabama came back and sort of ran the ball, milked the clock a little, punted it back to Gus, and he pretty much did the same. He might have taken a one shot down the field, but they pretty much just ran out the clock, almost took a knee. So I think you'll see that. I think Saban would like to win this game convincing fashion. Um, in fact, I know he does. Uh, but I don't think this is a game where he's going to try to, you know, beat them 91 to three or anything like that. I don't think that's, that's something an old school coach would do, but uh, based on the past history, I think the starters will be in for a while just to, you know, just to secure the game and get, you know, get out of there. I mean, you sort of saw Missouri, everybody's played a freshman. We played the freshman and all, <laughs> all of a sudden, they, you know, they got, had a couple long drives. Yeah. Uh, scores and you know everybody was upset i don't think he's quite ready to do that but what he is doing is he's mixing in those young bucks with the uh with the uh with the starters and it's a nice little you know nice little blend there to finish out each game yeah i don't think it's any different with lsu than it was say for kentucky maybe mississippi state if you do get the commanding lead there late in the third quarter that's when you start to see uh more faces and different guys uh, get into the lineup and perhaps uh, play a good bit of that fourth quarter. Uh, Leo one two four in the mailbag asks us, "Who do we think gets the fourth playoff spot, assuming Clemson and Bama went out?" And he also, we'll get to this next, wants to know the crystal ball that you are closest to placing, perhaps on the recruiting front. Clemson and Bama went out, Tim. Uh, I think I think in that scenario. Uh, it could be tough for the SEC to get two teams in. I think the the clearest path to the SEC getting two teams is Florida beating Alabama. I know Texas A&M is sitting there with the one loss, and if Texas A&M can win out, certainly they would be in a good spot, you would think. Um, I think Notre Dame's in. If they get to Charlotte, they get to that ACC championship game undefeated. I think I think keeping Notre Dame's out is going to be tough too, similar to Alabama. 
So fourth spot, I guess, I guess Alio's assuming Ohio State would be the third, but we don't know how many games Ohio State's going to play. I, you know, I think the third and the fourth spots could both be uh, up for grabs here as we get into the conference championship games. You know, if it fell, you know, to me, say Florida beats Alabama and Notre Dame beats Clemson. I mean, Clemson beats Notre Dame. I think, to me, that's the top four teams right that's, there. That's ACC-SEC challenge, I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, then you do an ACC-SEC challenge, you're right. You flip it around Florida-Clemson or, or Alabama-Notre Dame, whatever, however you want to do it. I think those would be the best four teams. I don't see how. And it's not Ohio State's fault. I'm not judging Ohio State. I think they're a good team. I think they were going to, you know, uh, run through the Big Ten fairly easily. I think they got a good quarterback, a good coach. Great recruiters, staff, love the program's great. But I don't see how you can play six regular season games in Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson. Are they all playing 11, Florida? Are they all playing 11? And then if Ohio State makes their championship games, they'll play seven. Is that right? I I think that's the max Ohio State could play right now. Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Florida. Ohio State's played four games, I think, right now and had to – had to sit out this past week. So, I mean, they're not going to play. I mean, you're talking about playing 30 or 40% less games than than the other teams. And those games take a toll. People get injured. And uh, I just I just don't think it's not their fault. Their conference, it, you know, has – they. I'm not sure. If you drew up how to screw this up, I'm not yeah. sure you could come up with a better game plan to screw this season up than they did. And um, rushing – you know, everything they did has been almost – we don't – you know, we're going to make this – we're grudgingly going to play. So, I'm not a shot at Ohio State, but I don't see how they can get in over some of those teams that played 11 games. Um, Alabama's played Texas A&M. They played Georgia. They'll play Florida. They played numerous others. Florida's played Georgia. They'll have played Alabama, you know, numerous others. Notre Dame's played North Carolina. Now, Clemson hasn't played a lot of big games, but they played North Carolina, and Notre Dame will have played Notre Dame twice too. So, that would be my four – um, if Alabama beats Florida, Florida's obviously out, and I think they'll probably take both ACC schools instead of the Aggies. What if Alabama beats Florida, though? Yeah, you just said it. The two ACC schools um, getting in along with uh, Alabama. Uh, if Alabama wins out, Texas A&M or Ohio State in that scenario? I mean. You know, I mean, I think it's still very possible that the AC, the SEC gets two in, even if Alabama uh, beats Florida. If I and I still listen, I still don't trust A and M. I don't trust A and M this weekend at Auburn, Tim. So we're assuming a lot with A and M. Yes, they're absolutely. I mean, dude, when you when you have A and M losing this weekend, no, there's no doubt about it. But at the same time, when you look at Ohio State's played four games. That's what I mean, yeah. Four games. They've got two games left. Mm-hmm. You know, A&M's wins are going to be way better than Ohio State. Yeah. Who, who is Ohio State going to beat, even if they play it out from here? I mean, if they're undefeated and they get to seven wins, they're probably in. But I mean, if they get to only five or six, you know. Nebraska, Penn State, Rutgers – Indiana's their best win. One yeah. by home. Indiana's a solid team. Michigan State and um, I mean I I take the Aggies over Indiana and I like that Indiana team. Yeah. I would take I would take uh, you know Florida over the over Indiana. I think Indiana's a good team. They won't have any wins uh, outside of Indiana, who's a top tenish type team. They'll only have best case scenario seven games. Aggies played ten. Florida, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson's played eleven. I just don't see see how they could let them in. They probably will because you know everybody hates this rematch. I remember the start of, <laughs> the start of the year. You remember they were discussing Alabama and Georgia playing three times. Well, and Tide Steel, Tide Steel here in the in the mailbag down the thread a little bit. That's the point he makes about the committee with Clemson and Notre Dame. If you put both of them in after the ACC championship game. Uh, how does that impact your seeding one through four? Because you absolutely don't want Clemson Notre Dame a third time, especially in a semifinal, right? You know, I'm, I'm a little different. I do. I want them lined up. up. 
watched up. I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, that's Ollie Frazier, you know, and I want to <laughs> see it three times. I mean, sometimes three times is, is, is fine. I mean, you see that a lot in the NFL. If it falls, I don't think you say, yeah. I don't think you punish the other two. If, if it's two SEC teams, two ACC teams, I don't think you punish the two teams out of that conference by shuffling the schedule because you don't want to see a third game mm-hmm. between them. I mean, the first Notre Dame game with Clemson was really good. I'm assuming the second one's going to be really good. One, 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 one uh, curveball we haven't really talked about is what if Notre Dame beats Clemson? Yeah. And well, Clemson's out. Dame, Notre Dame is capable of beating Clemson, although Clemson definitely a good football team, but not you know. Clemson, not. Clemson loses to Notre Dame. You got three SEC teams in, maybe Florida, Alabama, and Texas A&M. Like that? What was it? What year was that? Was it '85 that it was? Uh, uh, it was Villanova, St. John, and Georgetown in the final. Oh, oh yeah, in Lexington and Memphis. Yeah. Keith Lee. Villanova won it. Yeah. Yeah, I met that shock Georgetown. The Villanova played in the Sweet 16 Ed Pinkney. in Birmingham. I mean, my friend Mark's mother ran the hotel, and we went over there and hung out with those jokers. We went yeah. out. Raleigh Massimino. You got to remember, those guys were so happy to be there. They were cool hanging out with the crowd. Like, Kenny Smith was too cool for school. You know, he was like, <laughs> not, you know, he was literally the jet. He was too busy talking and to talk to anybody. He also ran out of there and they got whipped, but. Uh, anyways, what are we on to? JPW437, we appreciate Tide Steele also with that scenario of Clemson and Notre Dame and some potential seeding scenarios should it go that way. JPW437, um, which Bama commit right now do you think has the best chance to come in and contribute right off the bat, like Will Anderson or Malachi Moore next season? And also wants to know, which Bama commit are we not talking about enough among these 2021 uh, commitments to date? Good questions. Um, I think you start by looking at the tackles, offensive tackles. You look at Tommy Brockermeyer, J.C. Latham, and even Terrence Ferguson, who's probably going to try to is going to battle for that tackle position. Those those offensive tackle spots are going to be open. Obviously, there'll be competition there, but these are three really advanced offensive linemen. Uh, Tommy Brockermeyer, tech, technique-wise, it's not a huge surprise. You know, it's sort of like we saw Pat Sertain show up at Alabama, and he was just, you know, technically – Apple tree, whatnot, right? Yes, exactly. So when you get Tommy Brockermeyer with his dad, Brock, who played in the NFL, played at Texas, you see that. You see that in the other brother as well. Um, uh, you can see the technically they're advanced. J.C. Latham's that big monster – uh, offensive tackle, just learning to play the position, which is scary because he's really good. So you got those guys, but I think you're also going to have to look hard at the possibility of uh, Josh Joe possibly going pro. I think his stock's up. I don't know how much. I'm still waiting to to get some NFL feedback later on in the year. Pastor Tang's definitely going to be a first round pick and gone. So you're looking at that, and you got guys like you know Jaquincy Jaquincy McKinstry, Kool Aid, who has a chance to play. But Kyrie Jackson's a guy. I know you love him. I love him. He's the mm-hmm. he is easily the best, and I mean easily the best junior college film I've seen of, of a one year junior college player. So very unique with his size, and he has a chance to play. And a guy we're not talking about enough probably is Robbie Oots. I know I've got a little uh, little little thing for this tight. Yes, loves him some Robbie Oots. Guy's got a uh, he's only got a. A, he's got a small sample size. You know, we had to like ask him to send us film of him dunking. It's an impressive. <laughs> the kid's very tough. He's very mean. He, to me, he's got a little bit of that athleticism of a, uh, an Irv Smith. He had the catches. He's got some of the best highlight reel catches. You'll see one hand diving over people, very athletic. Uh, <clears throat> also a knee position, I think. And he's sort of that blend of blocking tight end and receiving tight end. Now there's other guys like Tim Keenan, who was injured that we're not, we haven't talked a lot about and Kadarius Callaway, but for the most part, Alabama's fans did a good job of loving these guys up. There you go. Hey, uh, now Bama, Tom in Tennessee, uh, he's asking if you're really Santa Claus. Tim is Tim Watts. In fact, actually Santa Claus, you know what I've enjoyed of late. I like the, uh, I like the commercial with John Travolta as Santa yeah. Claus. You like that with Samuel L? I like that reunion they did there. I've I've enjoyed that. 
Dude, John Travolta looks just like Tim Allen does in the movie Santa Claus when he turns <laughs> into Santa Claus. I actually thought it was Tim Allen. I was like, that guy, I know that guy. So uh, he gives you the Pulp Fiction dance at the end of it, you know? Yeah. Or I was Santa Claus for four very spoiled children. I know that much. Uh-huh. And they all now know, um, they know what they know. And it didn't hurt my heart. They did they, that I got some credit. Were you guys, were you guys, you, were you guys, you have to believe to receive parents for a long time? That's what we we're still were. that way. My youngest yeah. son still won't, won't admit, you know, the truth. He, uh, they all, and my kids are great when it comes to Christmas. I mean, we, <clears throat> we watched Christmas show on Thanksgiving night. We started off the year already watching, uh, a little movie I recommend called the uh, the Shop Around the Corner with Jimmy Stewart. If anybody likes old movies, and uh, it's the uh, the movie um, You've Got Mail with uh, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. This is that was a remake of this movie, so you can get it for ninety nine cents on Amazon Prime. It was a good one. So they love the Christmas stuff. They're all in with the obviously with the trees and stuff. So we enjoy um, they enjoy Christmas. Yeah, your boy Jam Bama's up next, and he is your boy, by the way. Um, we already addressed his first uh, comment to me about the LSU game. I already handled that for you, Jam Bama. The, the good thing about having to play on the 12th for Alabama is that, well, the players won't be going anywhere. They'll be staying right in that vacuum. you gotta, you got to take Jam um, – He's almost like the character in Parks and Rec. If you can <laughs> him, he likes to troll. We get an argument. Oh, every I love a good nemesis. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't? He I mean, we all need a nemesis. I mean, it, what's he life has, without it? He has a good time with it. So he does. Now he wants to know um, uh, who do you think visiting on their own helped with the most in terms of uh, some of the guys that have been through Tuscaloosa here of late. And there have been some pretty big names, haven't there? Yeah, I think when you – any kid that came this weekend, any kid that came to any game anywhere in the country, but we'll talk Alabama, had to have a good time. Because if you had – during COVID, if you just saw one concert, it would be <laughs> the greatest concert ever, right? You would love it. It doesn't matter if it's your kind of music. You had beer flowing. You're, you know, you're listening and you're having fun. You're out with your wife and your friends. You'd have a good time. So it definitely doesn't – doesn't doesn't hurt it's going to help i think you know getting a guy like xavier worthy to come to a game the wide receiver from california that's committed to michigan get him to come to uh alabama with his mom for a visit now they've been to michigan uh the week before where they're committed i think it's the week before it was the the game they got beat pretty bad i think 41 to 3 but whichever that was um it definitely helps with him but it helps with all of them i mean you get these kids out Coaches can't be around them, but they can like, you know, they, there's a little ways around this. You've seen kids visit and then they FaceTime the coach and they walk around the campus. I've heard other coaches literally get in the car and drive around the campus FaceTiming with their phone showing them what they see, which to wow. me, well, that automatically, <laughs> I got some motion sickness issues. They're hearing that story uh, makes me a little nauseous, makes me want to vomit, but Anyway, so that, there's ways of doing that. Definitely helps. Xavier Worthy uh, would be the one that obviously stands out. I mean, this class is really good, regardless if they sign anybody else, and they can be extremely picky. So um, I expect a little, nice little finish here. Melvin Seahorse, as we wind down here in the mailbag, uh, asks, uh, Tim, uh, I haven't been able to get you on the record, Melvin says. Are you, in fact, happy or unhappy? With the strength and conditioning hires, do you feel Alabama upgraded? And do the players and staff look more strengthened and conditioned, especially in soft tissue I like areas? I think I know the answer to this one. I think there's some tongue-in-cheek there from my boy Melvin, too. I think so. Has yeah. A record. Yeah. I mean, this was a – I remember the night it happened. Scott – you know, first Scott Cochran left and blown um, completely out of proportion to make a lot of people look like asses. They should go back and delete some of their their, their tweets they had. Um, the total reaction was, to me, it's still to this day is mind-blowing because Scott Cochran didn't leave to be from a strength and conditioning coach to a strength and conditioning coach. He went to Georgia to be a special teams coach. So we're not – I mean, we're not even – I mean, 
You know, it's like comparing not apples. apples for apples. No, it's like yeah. apple, the pineapples. It sounds like it's the same, but they're totally different fruits. So, uh, yes, Indiana it did take me long to reach out. NFL guys, college guys, everybody I talked to that was familiar with this staff absolutely loved them. Uh, early on, they had a whole system. I mean, honestly, any Alabama fan or any SEC said, if you remember, everybody was laughing like, oh, my God. Nick Saban got the Indiana strength and conditioning coach, and we got Scott Cochran, who wasn't even coaching strength and conditioning, by the way. But they were laughing because uh, they're stupid, because they don't watch the Big Ten <laughs> football. If you watch Indiana, if you watch them at all, I watched them three times this year, tell me what you see. You see long, lean, athletic, muscular players. They don't have big, fat, sloppy bodies on the offensive-defensive line. You can't say it's all five stars and all that. They are a good team. They're also excellently coached. Don't get me wrong. Great coaching staff. They got the quarterback. I think the quarterback was dropped by Tennessee. So it's a guy that was committed to an SEC school that that ended up uh, choosing another school. So you can see what those guys do with the level of athletes they had. So, yeah, to say that it's been um, a success, I would agree. And I I think if you look around, if you ask Scott Cochran, I think Scott Cochran – also would consider it a win because he's doing what he wanted. He's on the field. I saw him Saturday. He's coaching special teams. He's learning. He wanted his foot in the door for a coach. And I said it then. I think it'll end up being a win-win um, for both for, for Scott Cochran and for Alabama. And I, I feel strongly it's definitely a win for Alabama. And I've heard nothing. The kids, I even saw Landon Dickerson tweet this morning, the uh, former offensive lineman, uh, TV analyst, Cole Kubelik. Uh, showed a yep. play Landon's with him just, you know, destroying somebody. And then Landon tweeted at uh, Matt Rea, I believe, and said, is this a landmine squat? So you can tell those guys love the strength and conditioning coaches. So definitely, you know, the funny thing is to think of somebody else laughing at who Nick Saban is hiring. Like he's just out here hiring a guy at 7-Eleven because he gave him a upsized dislurpy or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Freddie at eighty, Freddie eighty three in the mailbag. As we get out of here, uh, he asks in relation to Worthy and that visit. Do you think Worthy is leaning to Alabama now? You know, I don't know. I think Worthy's been a little bit of a mystery, and to be honest, we haven't followed him. We don't know him as well as we did other guys, simply because you know the you know the guy committed to Oregon. Basically, he told Oregon he was coming. Something happened, and he uh, he um, changed his mind. Something happened with Oregon, I'm told. So he changed his mind, ended up narrowing it down to Michigan and Alabama, chose Michigan. So technically, he's chose somebody over Alabama twice, if you think about it. However, with that said, um, and look, I'm bad. I, I do not like comparisons. People ask me to do them. I'm not great with them. I sort of, you know, it's not very often I find a, a good one. I think they're just thrown out there loosely. But this guy – he is a lot like Smitty. He is a lot. When you look at him physically, his build, his playmaking ability, his speed, you know, that long, lean frame, uh, he looks like him. So I wouldn't say Alabama leads. I think he's probably going home. I know he had a great visit going home to discuss this and, you know, kind of figure out with his mom, you know, what they want to do and where they go from here. So to be determined, I mean, we're what are we uh, – what are we – 15, 16 days away from, geez, how did this happen? We're six, yeah, I mean, we're coming up on the early signing date. I mean, for this year to have went so slow, man, you look up and we are here. We're at Christmas. We're past Thanksgiving. We're talking about play, college football playoffs. We're talking about early signing period. So, you know, I'm on the verge. I don't want to jinx it, but I feel like we did it. <laughs> I feel like we made it. <laughs> I feel like we made it. And it's been a long Oh, the old – I go the light all, at the end of the tunnel. I go all, all the way back to me and Deontay Lawson sitting on that island discussing recruiting in March by herself. Yeah, Deontay, yeah. I mean, we're in the we're in the Christmas movie season, and I know you love that. Uh, you've got recommendations there too. I do. I hope everybody shares them. We'll start a thread later on. I like the uh, I like to dig in and find new ones. I mean, we got the staples. I think we all do. You know, mine are the traditional uh, Christmas story, vacation. Uh, uh, the Scrooge, all of those, you know, the ones that we got four or five we watch every year. I'm always looking for new ones. How about Dirty Santa? How about a little Dirty Santa for you? Oof. 
Have I seen That's that? not for the family. I've seen Bad Santa. Which one's Dirty Santa? Bad Santa. Bad Santa. I oh, think yeah, that's Bad it. Bad Santa. Actually, my kids. <laughs> actually, we were, <laughs> we were choosing a Christmas movie last night. My daughter pulled up the list and she said, what about that one again? So, oh, Billy Bob. Teenagers, though. I don't know. They, uh, if there's no nudity, I'll let them watch it. As long as there's not like crazy kill bill violence, chopping off the top of heads and stuff and no, yeah. no nudity, we'll watch it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, we only let them watch. We only let them watch that with Die Hard, which by the way is in fact a Christmas movie. You've changed me over the years. I don't know what impact you had on others' lives, but that is one. <laughs> it starts with a Christmas party. That right? is, I mean, come on. I will definitely at your funeral, God forbid you go before me. I will be like, I'm going first. What are you talking about? What? Well, well, I guess I, you know, I am a little older. Yeah. yeah I got you by a few. You live on the edge, though. <laughs> me, I try not to leave the house. Nothing bad happens in your house. <sighs> it was All right, Tim. Yeah, that was fun. We had a good time today. And I uh, appreciate everyone contributing. Yeah. They're on the round table. Mailbag was great. Always fun with that. And uh, we hope you were at least somewhat entertained and informed. We had a good time. So, uh, Tim, until we do this next time, always a, a blast. And uh, keep it between the ditches, my friend. Absolutely. You guys get some Christmas shopping done. Don't wait till the last minute. Cyber Monday. Get it. Get it. I and, remember that. Uh, the by the way. And it's no long, now it's Cyber Monday. starts three weeks before Cyber Monday, so. And we've got some good deals at 247sports.com right now that are Cyber Monday. Yeah, some deals crazy good. I saw one guy was uh, messaging me and saying, y'all have so many ads, I would uh, get it. And I'm like, it's 75% off. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. $30 a month. Cancel your cable where they have your ads, by the way. So, uh, yeah, I, cut I, the cord. He laughed. He said, you're right. I said, yeah, it's basically free. <laughs> you know? All right. That's going to do it for the latest edition. Next week after the LSU game. Absolutely. We'll have it covered throughout the week. There'll be recruiting coverage. There will be team coverage. There will be hoops because you got the Alabama men in Asheville, North Carolina throughout the midweek. So, uh, we got you guys and gals right there at BamaOnline.com for Tim Watts. Travis Ryer, hoping you have a great start to your week. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, everybody. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!